Welcome to Wires from the Deep, the Silo Series podcast. Today is Sunday, July 2nd, 2023, and you're listening to episode 12, They're Good in Supply. I'm your host, Crystal, here with my co-host, Kelly. Hey, everyone. And it's finale week. Woohoo! We've got a full house. We have three guests joining us today for our breakdown of Outside, the season one finale of Silo. First, we're going to welcome back Angela Traficante from Lambda Editing. Hello, everyone. And... We also have Will Swarstrom, who is a dad, teacher, and author of a short story featured in Wool Gathering. Hello, hello. And last but not least, we have Australian hard science fiction writer, Peter Cauldron. Hello. Okay, so something that we like to have our guests do is share their connection to Wool. So can you briefly share how you first became a fan? Um, and why don't we start with Angela? So um, I actually, ver- the first time I heard of Wool was through my husband, who was reading it back when it was coming out on Kindle um, in parts. But uh, last year, Crystal invited me to be part of Through the Pages, which was a Wool breakdown that we did as a group with Crystal, Will, Peter, and a couple of other people. And um, I was the fresh perspective. So that was my first time reading Wool uh, last year. All right, and next, uh, Will? Yeah, so uh, back in 2012, uh, I don't remember exactly when. I think it was the summer. Uh, I just stumbled on the uh, Wool short story when it was in that first part. I think I'd just gotten a Kindle, and my wife had, and I was trying to find some some cheap books to fill it. And I think I just kind of read it as it as it developed, and it was still so early that the community was so small uh, he was responsive to all the readers, and so I kind of quickly started to know Hugh and all these different people as well, uh, and even wrote a couple stories in that universe as well, and so I've kind of really been a part of it for uh, over a decade now. All right, and Peter? Yeah, well, um, Hugh and I first uh, came across each other online back in 2011. Uh, he had just published the first short story of Wool, which covered um, Holstein, and I'd launched a book called Anomaly. So we were both experimenting with this new concept of Kindle digital publishing at the same time. Um, and uh, yeah, it was quite something to see the ride that Wool went on as it took off over the years. So I know that we usually publish our breakdown episodes by late Saturday or early Sunday. And I know today, maybe people <laughs> who are listening, who listen to our show are wondering, what happened? You know, it's the finale. Shouldn't you have your show up on time? But uh, it's because we did get together. We got everybody together yesterday to record. Uh, we were an hour and 45 minutes into it. And I noticed that I hadn't pressed record. <laughs> But it was a really good episode. You guys would really like it. It was. Yeah, you <laughs> we, missed we, all we, of our great analysis. Amazing. I really, it was just like a run through for today's amazing episode. Now we know yeah, all the was, things we want practice. to say, things we shouldn't say. Practice run. But yeah, we enjoyed it. <laughs> but now we're back. Better than ever. We are. Before we get to the breakdown, Wires from the Deep is brought to you by Pico's House. If you have a manuscript that you're looking to develop, fine-tune, or polish for self-publication or submission to agents and publishers, Pico's House offers comprehensive editorial services for fiction authors. The team at Pico's House helps hundreds of authors each year and specializes in science fiction, fantasy, middle grade, and thrillers. To find out more, go to picoshouse.com, P-I-K-K-O-S-H-O-U-S-E.com. Please mention that you heard about Pico's House on Wires from the Deep. 
All right, so let's, let's get right into the breakdown. Um, so it, it brings us right back into Patrick's apartment where uh, Jules had been sitting and she was watching the Jane Carmody's cleaning video. But her immediate reaction is she wants to she wants everybody to see it, right? She wants she, to go viral. Yeah, she wants she wants the ginger hacker word. to <laughs> she wants the ginger hacker to go and uh, show it to everyone, and she, you know she starts. I, I think you could you could see like Patrick's like freaking out, right? He's like, oh my god, this is becoming so much worse than I thought. I thought you just wanted to use my computer. <laughs> Poor guy, right? It made me laugh um, when he wants the watch, and she's like, no. You have to come with us. Just, yeah. Like, God that, damn it. that dude is really into that watch. <laughs> it's a little weird. I, yeah. I was with her too. Though. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you're, you're about to be arrested, <laughs> man. <laughs> uh, you just want to add one more crime onto the onto the mix. Um, but yeah, so they, they leave the apartment and he's kind of an idiot. He's like standing at the corner and he's looking around at the Raiders going into his apartment and he gets spotted. Patrick, you mean? Yeah, Patrick. Mm. He's like, snooping around the corner like what's going on <laughs> but yeah so they jules reveals that uh it was a trash shoot is how she was getting around without using the staircase which i was very happy to hear because i finally write about something that she's using <laughs> that, that trash shoot to get around but um i was kind of like scared i guess thinking about how the, patrick lives on, on level 22 which is in the up top and then danny the ginger hacker had told her that they they're going to go down to 126. And so that's 104 floors that they need to climb down that that skinny little tunnel on a, on a, rung, a metal rung ladder. I don't think I could do that. That's crazy. That's so scary. It's some good cardio. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you got to have uh, good grip strength too, right? I think I was reading that like each floor is like 30 feet. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Then there's no gym in the silo either, so I don't know where she gets like all the upper body stuff. Remember when she like dangled from that rope and like she slid, and then like right before she hits the water, she's like dangling there forever. And then she like climbs all the way back up. Please, okay. And like, she almost falls over the ledge. That right? Time. No. no, yeah. no, no, no. Like, like how come you can mm-hmm. climb up the rope but you can't lift yourself over the railing? <laughs> <laughs> it was nice to know like how she was getting around. I think this is kind of answering the question of. Her stealth movements the last couple episodes, though. I know years ago when all the, the fans were writing their own stories, there were some different stories that suppose there was secondary staircases here and there or mm. lift elevators or something. So, you know, this at least answered something there. They do seem to have secondary staircases, like peppered around like I, I think to get to the sheriff's department you have to go through the cafeteria and climb some stairs to go up to the sheriff's department and then there's that staircase that they go down to go to janitorial so there must be like mm-hmm. yeah they they had the opportunity when they originally like whoever made the silo made it so presumably they like haven't really changed the layout so they could have been like oh yeah everything in mechanical also kind of maybe has like extra staircases to help or whatever it's almost like the levels don't equate to a building as we would think a high rise and a more, um, you know, each floor is sort of a mini condo in itself. All right. So, and then they move us up to the sheriff's department. And this is the part of the episode where Sims kind of like starts teleporting around. <laughs> you know, he was in Chanatoro, <laughs> then all of a sudden he's up in, in, in the sheriff's office, which is 20 floors away. <laughs> but how he, he got a, he got an email, right? Or a silo mail from somebody from that jean lady ratting out on on her 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 former teacher and her hero jeez the 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 (laughs) people who just tell on other people right 
kind of it kind of seemed like she was a fan of his she just goes straight to sims but yeah so he goes up there and he confronts him he does like his chair stomping thing and he's like really angry with paul i guess i mean he clearly holds a grudge right yeah. he's mad at sims for letting juliet arrest him and i guess because yeah. he was there helping her too right so but then he reveals that he knows about billings's condition that he has a syndrome so what do you all think is the extent of his exemption because obviously it comes with with a a catch right yeah we don't see anything that really happens like they don't talk at all in front of us like there's nothing shown so i mean my impression was that he either agreed to something um or it didn't really seem like he gave him some information but more that he agreed in the future to x y and z and yeah, my impression was it was sort of like Sims being like, you get this. It's like kind of like a stay for now. Insofar as is, you, yeah. Yeah, insofar as you go along with me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they were trying to win him over to like what they were doing to Juliet because, you know, he they don't know what Juliet's going to tell him, right? Because, she, I mean, she had already told him on the stairs that she didn't say she wanted to go outside. And so I think they probably anticipate that, you know, he's going to believe her and he's going to... Mm kick up a fuss on her behalf and say something so they need to they need to basically lock his voice down right and the fact that he could lose his job is pretty heavy leverage on him so i felt bad for him i do think he's one of the more interesting characters in that he doesn't have an agenda you know he just seems to sincerely want to do the right thing and he's caught between this oppressive system that's designed to you know stack the odds in the favor of authority that he's been fully um, on board with up to this point you know yeah but but he does seem to be um you know like he'll question jules on it but he won't hold her to things he you know he sort of he, he, he does seem more pragmatic and you know trying to find the um the subtleties and the nuance in it all you know it's the old adage you know laws are hard and fast but you need some flexibility you know does a cop stop you at 61 miles an hour in a 60 zone you know what i mean there's there's always a little bit of leeway and he seems to be trying to apply that logic and and wanting to do the right thing and just not knowing what the right thing is yeah so they cut back down to Jules and Patrick and Danny and they finally get the hub working and they push the the video to we think it's the janitorial monitors, but I think, uh, so today during the AMA, uh, Hugh, I think, says that they did get it to other people in the silo. I, I'd have really? To I yeah, wish they but, had shown that. Like, they I didn't, I didn't get that impression cut at around. All. Yeah, they, they yeah. kind of cut right to IT there and showed it, but they didn't really show, like, say, random people seeing it on screens yeah. in their houses or whatever. It's so yeah. weird because later in the episode, they specifically say that everything's, like, super calm yeah. and that... He even says it's yeah. like as calm as it was um, before Holston's cleaning or something. I don't know, like that. And Although at the same time, I mean, a lot of people probably wouldn't have been staring at a computer screen at that exact moment, right? Sure. I, I, yeah, I would I mean, think like the biggest problem would be like the people in IT because they're probably looking at computers, right? Yeah, yeah it seems like computers are kind of like useless for the average citizen for the most part. So I don't think many of them are like staring at them on a, any given day. But it yeah. wasn't on like the main screens, like on each level, right? Like the sensor screens. I think those are just the camera sensor, like the outside one. It seems like that's just like a direct mm-hmm. feed. That glitch that happened that um, earlier just made me think like maybe, but I think that would have caused like some sort of commotion in the site. Yeah, I actually thought but- that, that you know, you know, at the end of last episode, I kind of thought that, you know, they were going to get it out to some people and that they were going to, this was going to be like a start of like, 
something big, but I guess they're saving that for season two. Yeah, I think that could be a nice thing for season two where, you know, they show a flashback where somebody saw it and all of a sudden that character has an arc in season two. Yeah, they're leaving themselves open for it. Yeah. What they saw from the cleaning with Juliet was probably enough to cause enough commotion for a long time. Oh, yeah, for sure. But yeah, so they, they play it. We get to watch the, the monitors seeing the video and they're just enraptured, right? They're like mm-hmm. looking up at it like in wonder. Um, and here's, I, I, I think a lot of people really like this scene because he's just like, shut your eyes, turn around, cover your faces. He just treats them like so little funny. children. <laughs> and and it's like, weird that he said it to Sims too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes it pretty clear that there's some stuff that Sims isn't quite. He doesn't. He's not filled in on everything. I think there's like yeah. a couple. Because I mean, he, like, he's mm-hmm. he's made it clear that Sims is not his shadow yet. So and that he doesn't have a shadow. But like I was talking in in Discord with with some other people, and it just seems very irresponsible of Bernard, uh, given what his position is, to not have a successor in place. You know, because he's. He looks like he's in his 60s or 70s. Mm-hmm. Anything could happen to him, right? I this mean. was actually something that bothered me about the entire series was that, like, there weren't more people with shadows or at least mo- even multiple shadows. Yeah. I was like, wait, why doesn't the sheriff have a shadow? Why do we elect someone? Why doesn't the mayor have a shadow? Why doesn't Knox have more than one shadow? Mm-hmm. Like, what? It's kind of like these single points of failure that don't seem like they drive very well with kind of the like trying to keep the silo going yeah because i mean yeah even in mechanical right i mean accidents happen right i mean especially in, a, in their kind of department and you know we think that yeah they always have to have and really in every department if i think of like jules just dying randomly or anyone like that knowledge hasn't been passed down at all like nobody else can fix the generator nobody else you know so i think although you know, if you've worked in it that's surprisingly uncommon. You know, oh, okay. uh, every every management team will talk about succession planning and and avoiding single points of failure and stuff like yeah, this. The bus and factor. Yet, it, yeah, and yet everywhere I've worked, there's always been three or four linchpin people where if they're sick or they leave, everyone's screwed. Uh, we even saw it with Twitter with Elon Musk where he was firing <laughs> people and they were the only ones that knew how the whole thing worked. <laughs> So, so there's kind of maybe some real world coming in there where there's an ideal, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's seldom realized. The uh, the redheaded hacker, uh, I did see on Hugh's AMA Danny. earlier that he he thought he that uh, they should have named him Scotty. Yeah, I saw that too. That I would have liked that. Scotty, why Scotty? Scotty is a character who was cut. It was he mm. was a friend of Jules in IT, um, and and I, I I think that they merged him with George. He basically became George. Yeah, I, I would have liked it if, like, they had. I mean, because it's just one quick Easter mention, egg. right? He only yells his name like "Daddy." No, it was like if that had been Scotty, yeah. that would have been a nice yeah. little book nod. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the shoot scene after they part ways is is something that was weirdly inconsistent and frustrating for me because the size of the shoot keeps changing when they cut through the scene. Um, you know, they show like uh, Deputy Karen's shouting down at her and Jules is like she looks like she's like half a floor away <laughs> and then at another point she's like closer to her and then I don't know and, and then like when it was the three of them in there it looked like they could like reach out and touch each other and that's how like close it was but when they throw that giant air conditioner thing inside yeah, it's it's you can how big it is actually it's, it's, it looks like a whole other silo almost, you know, it's just like banging around, hitting the sides <laughs> and ricocheting everywhere. 
Which would be so loud in a silo like that. It makes me crazy. Yeah. As someone with misophonia, like the thought of like having an apartment next to this trash thing where they're just like throwing air conditioners down and like banging off the wall. It's crazy. It might be a class thing within the silo. You know, if you're <laughs> uh, lower, lower class, you're up against the Maybe it just gets disposal. like... It's like this at the top. I'm on videos. I'm trying to show you. Maybe it's wider at the top <laughs> where the rich people live. And then it just like gets narrow and narrow. It's like a funnel. Bangs. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so she had to fall really far because they were on 126 and she fell down to mechanical, which is 144. So she had to fall. My mental math is so bad. Probably someone <laughs> got rid of a mattress earlier. 20-odd floors at least. Yeah, twenty-ish floors because I mean she's climbing down some, so she she gets through some of them. But yeah. Yeah, onto that, hard metal at the bottom, uh, on yeah. top of everything else that had fallen, and then Not hoping someone it. was going to drag her <laughs> away quickly enough. Although the the people at the bottom clearing things away, they would have heard all this. They would have heard the shouting and yelling. That, that yeah. would have been a bit of intrigue. They might have sort of snuck a glance. Um, you know, one of them might have, you know, you, you do wonder, like the whole point of recycling is to get things recycled, right? So if you're dropping something a hundred stories and it's hitting a hard surface, there's not <laughs> going to be much left to recycle. So they might be like, you know, trampoline sort of things. Cause it sort of, you know, it, it had some give when she landed. And even in the earlier episodes, when we saw them clearing things away, there was a bit of give when things were landed. And it's like a fair point, actually, because like if people are tossing like random things down this, I mean, there must be some give at the bottom to, in order for anyone to be, or anything to be recyclable at the end. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it would just be mush. That makes me think that they must have like areas where that tunnel stops, you know, and it's got like a like a section where it stops off because I think they have recycling centers on like various er, every, yeah. Like, like mm-hmm. we say like every 20 levels. So like it, you wouldn't throw something down from level one and it falls right. all the way to 144 because that seems really dangerous. No, you and, can only commit suicide that way. Right. Yes. Yes. Ouch. But yeah. So, um, and then I was so disappointed that Patrick and Danny got apprehended so quickly. They were like, yeah, we got two guys here. It's like, Oh, I know. Their lives are. I, I was rooting for Patrick. I didn't really care so much about Danny, but yeah. <laughs> when they went in different directions from Jules, I thought they're definitely. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <sighs> I mean, I would have given Patrick better odds than Danny because I think I, I don't think Danny was lying that he worked in IT. Um, so I think yeah, he's just a computer guy. So, but Patrick is more like a black market kind of, you know, sly kind of guy. But I guess even he. See, it's probably because he stopped to ask her for the watch. That's right. That's what, that's what happens when you get greedy. I loved her reaction there. Just like, seriously? <laughs> that was my reaction too. I was like, come on, man. <laughs> okay, so then they have they play the intro and then they take us straight into Walker's apartment where they're like patching up jewels. She's like all bloody and like they're like putting... That's she would be. Yeah. And then Knox comes in and he makes himself even worse, right? I mean, I was already mad at him for just standing around gripping railings and when they're fixing the most yeah, important thing in the silo. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then he just disappeared and I thought, he'll come back eventually and he'll be, he'll make up for it. But nope, he just turns Jules in. And I know we don't want to talk about the book too much, but I found him to be way more likable in the book. I was like yeah, kind of disappointed yeah. in how unlikable he was throughout the series, at least what I found him to be. One sort of thing that I did find plausible is that uh, people in positions of power within the silo 
are compromised. So Jules' dad is compromised, Knox is compromised. You know, they're sort of trapped in that middle management layer where they're trying to keep the likes of Bernard happy, but also trying to be pragmatic and keep the inner workings of the silo going. And they're caught between a rock and a hard place. And and, and that was, I think, the frustration that Knox was acting out of. So what did you guys make of Sims? He's like, starts, he stomps into the room and he starts thumping his chest and yelling at Juliet and yeah. demanding Martha leave the room. <laughs> He's just been like this since his family was threatened. I feel like that was really personal for him. So Yeah, that's what I got. I got kind of like he snapped after the whole family thing. There's been a few times where Knox, uh, sorry, where Sims and Bernard have been in one of these power positions and then Bernard has sort of dismissed Sims mm. and sort of, you know, put him in his place. And it was sort of another one of those. He would often take Juliet's side. It, it felt like he yeah. was just trying to endear himself to Juliet on purpose to, you know, mm-hmm. kind of keep up his, I'm, a, I'm the good guy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The hero of his own story. Yeah. Because I, I think there was one time where Sims has everybody leave the room and it's just him and Bernard and like Bernard tries to give Jules an excuse for what she did or something like that. Yeah. So he seems very calm and collective, very different from how Sims is. So, and then he goes and takes a hammer to the hard drive. <laughs> but um, it was funny because he operates on, he, he like keeps up the whole belief that Jules has, you know, he doesn't make any attempt to tell her, you know, that's just a fake video or anything like that. He just lets her think that it's, it's actually real, right? Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting because you would think that he could he could have easily just been like, oh, don't believe everything you see. That's just fiction. <laughs> Although I don't know if they even know what fiction is. They have Romeo and Juliet. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but it was written by a rebel. Yeah, right. They don't perform it anymore. So, yeah, maybe, maybe, they, maybe they ban books and, and plays and things. But yeah, then he uses her friends as leverage to get her to surrender quietly and like, you know, allow herself to be shackled and do the long walk up and If she doesn't say that she didn't say that she wants to go yeah. outside. Like that's he wants her to like... waive her right to a hearing too, so and then, Not that, that a hearing would have done anything. Right. Really. Yeah. Hearing with who? Judge Meadows. <laughs> Judge Meadows is very busy. <laughs> it, it, it is consistent with his motivation, though, that, you know, his concern is the greater good of the silo and yeah. keeping peace. And, you know, so he wants her to be seen as submissive and not resisting so that, you know, it um, it plays into that narrative that he wants to, you know, keep the silo calm and that, you know, this is all just uh, routine rather than, uh, you know, him struggling to prevent a rebellion so i was actually really concerned for martha in this scene because like jules told sim she can't leave because she's she's too scared of leaving and she's basically saying like you know she's not a threat you don't have to do anything like please because like the worst thing for martha i feel is that if they dragged her out of the apartment in some manner or like made her go to the mines or you know for her that would be the worst sort of punishment imaginable really she was like willing to do that though, because she was shaking her head there at Juliet, being mm-hmm. like, "Don't, don't buy yeah. into this." Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really brave. Yeah, yeah. I th- yeah, she is very brave. I think. Uh, I think that Bernard probably already knew like who she was, uh, Walker. That you know, when they came down to her place, he probably had an idea that she hadn't left there for a long time, um, mm-hmm. and so when Jules says she's not a threat, he knew, yeah, she's not going anywhere. 
So Shirley comes in and she she throws in this line that becomes important later is that she wishes that, you know, the tape incident, tape gate had never happened because that's what first got her like on their bad side in IT. Right. Um, but Shirley saying that helps Martha figure out the tape, right? She goes and she grabs her tape and she realizes that, you know, she's got to go. Th- and, and I think that's probably why they put this relationship into the story, you know, because I think Martha feels like whatever bad, because in that, I think it was episode two or three, they established they established that something happened between her and her ex, right? Mm-hmm. And we all thought it was Judge Meadows in the picture. Yeah. Which, yeah. which when they actually, when they show her in, in this episode, I still think there's like a very uncanny resemblance. Yeah. I mean, I, I went back and I looked and I was like, that totally looks like it, it looks could be like her. It, yeah. <laughs> but Hugh set us straight on a podcast episode. <laughs> that was another spoiler he gave us. He was like, no, that's not her. We'll see her later. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) Okay, so Jules just walk back up to the top and um, there was the water scene and people were like harping on that. Like, what does that mean? But I think it was just, she's thirsty because she's walking up 144 (laughs) floors. I don't know, but you, I mean, I guess you always think there's reasons to keep things like that in. And I definitely got the impression that Bernard was, I mean, it, it did seem like he was being sensitive, but I think it was a show for like the people of the silo. Like, I'm willing to give this person water. Look what a humanitarian I am, you know? One of the things in the book is you really get a sense of the size of the silo from the fatigue that people have. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And particularly as they approach the top, their pace slows, Exhausted, their... Yeah they're weary, you know, they're sort of walking well-worn paths on the floor and all this sort of Mm -hmm. stuff. And one of the challenges, I think, for the show is trying to capture that because, you know, a lot of times everyone's just so sprightly, you know, like you say, Sims is on 20 floors down and all of a sudden he's confronting Paul in the sheriff's office and he's not out of breath or anything. And so I think that stopping on the stairs was to, you know, try to convey that because, yeah, they're they're trying to show a hundred and... 40 odd floors passing mm-hmm. um and yet we only you know from for a practical reason we only see them walking around the spiral staircase a few times because you know watching 144 floors uh, go past would be rather boring tv so <laughs> so i liked the water i thought that was you know a touch of realism it, it was funny too because just before um the finale had come out uh, rebecca had done i think press for um dead reckoning the Mission Impossible movie, and she told I think Collider that they asked her, "Oh, can you share anything about the, fa- about the finale?" And she's like, "Oh, it's gonna get wet." And people were like, "What? What does that mean?" It's gonna uh, get wet. Yeah, or wetter, or some. She said something about getting wet or getting wetter, and so like everybody was like, "Oh my god, she's gonna go back to that. She's gonna go back into the water, and they're gonna find the door." And so everybody was like freaking out over that. And then when the finale came out, people were like, "Oh, maybe she just meant she spills water all over herself." <laughs> <laughs> that might that might have been a slip of the tongue spoiler about season oh, yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um Hugh answered that question on on Reddit. He said, I think she meant season two. <laughs> yeah. 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 Was, um so then Martha begins her walk outside she she makes it to the door she opens it and i really like this scene because it was was, they had really i i I thought they had built up to this really nicely that she's so comfortable in her own space and you know even going to the door to go call out for somebody was a lot for her Mm -hmm. so 
And she's like, come on, you old fool. You, you're all she's got. And I then- think it really helps to show that, like, I know we get that note later that says, you know, that she loves her or whatever. But I yeah. think she, you know, she truly does, like, really love Juliet. And I think yeah. that that shows a lot. Because, like, that's hard for someone. Like, I can't even imagine. Yeah. And it just goes to show that people can even be agoraphobic inside the confines of yeah. this enclosed space. <laughs> Oh, the most amazing place you could ever live if you're a hermit, yeah. And she lives at the very bottom, too, right? She lives on 144. (laughs) Yeah, so she not only makes it out, but she climbs, I think, 20-something floors because that's where Carla lives, her ex. Um, And Carla has dogs. Love Carla. Love Carla. (laughs) It's not like she has small dogs, right? Little little scrappy doo-doo barkies. Like, you know, you knock on the door, it's like... Oh, my mom's dogs do that. My grandma's dogs do that. Yeah, I have a little dog who's like who sounds like that too. It's funny how you can tell what kind of dog <laughs> they have, right? <laughs> Just by the it's not like like a whoo, 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 whoo. Nope. then you can tell they have a big dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but oh my god, that must mean that the cats and the dogs are the same size in the silo. <laughs> Well, I mean, I could, if you had, I mean, I have big dogs and I knew how much you have to run them to keep them well exercised. Mm-hmm. So like big dogs just wouldn't work. And space. Yeah. Just, yeah. I'm always, I am, have been continually impressed by how much space various people have in the silo throughout mm-hmm. this series. Like I pictured it as everyone having a lot smaller and like less space. And whenever I see people's apartments in this series, I'm like, why do they have so much space? Yeah. yeah, it's like filming stuff like that. Like it's getting for the everything camera in the room. Yeah, exactly. Like it's so hard to show like those small spots when you got like so much people to shove in. Yeah, so I I thought the scene with Carla was actually written very heavy handedly um, because she just shows up and she's like, "Is this about Nichols? Is this about that tape?" It's like, "Oh my God, nobody mentioned any tape. What are you doing? <laughs> what tape?" Yeah, I, I expected yes. her to be more surprised to see Shirley and to sort of you know perhaps realize the gravitas of what it took for her to get there yeah, yeah it, she, it, she didn't seem to say anything yeah it's yeah. so hard to imagine like what their relationship was like like why they split like how long she, you know she's been down there and martha um didn't really get any hints of that whatsoever go straight to the tape i think this series in general has suffered a tiny bit from uneven pacing so it may simply have just been the finale and them trying to segue like yeah, the best yeah. possible way they could into kind of getting through the scene you know, one thing I have wondered about since the advent of streaming is why these uh, companies like Apple and Netflix and that are still slavish around the length. Like, you know, you look yeah. at the silo ones, they're all 44, 46 minutes long, which is the old format when you had to include commercials. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, if if... Episode one needs to be, you know, 62 minutes. Episode two, 54. I feel like they are three, doing that with some shows, you know. Yeah, some Stranger Things comes to mind. Do whatever the hell they want. I don't know. Str- yeah. Stranger Things releases movie-length episodes. <laughs> Apple is very rigid, though. Oh, sure. Like, out. I watch a lot of Apple shows, and they all, like, kind of, once they kind of nail down a, a length for the episodes, they kind of stick to it. Right. And I, was, I was wondering if that might play on the pacing, you know, because the editors have got to fit to that time frame and they've yeah. sort of got to sort of, you know, pick and choose what they're going to um, put in to hit the length. I mean, Whereas you don't actually need to hit any length. You know, you can yeah. you can just hit the length you need for the episode. 
I mean, I know a bunch of us in Discord, we were really surprised when we saw the runtime for the finale because we thought, oh, I mean, the, the episode at the start was long and we kind of mm-hmm. expected the last one to be long too. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like it could have been stretched out yeah. in small yeah. ways, you know. Um, and and I, I, I would imagine that they actually filmed it because it, it kind of felt like there were pieces missing and they just got cut out. So, yeah, I don't know what, what goes into the editing process. So... I did find it interesting that they they put the entire first episode on Twitter this <laughs> past week. <laughs> I mean, wow. wow! I mean, I like that was impressive. Just fuck it. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, that was the one that had everyone asking so many questions, right? So I can imagine seeing just one episode drew a lot of people in. So yeah, I think they do that on Apple too. Um, I believe a lot of the times Apple TV Plus makes their first episode free. Uh I think that's how I started watching Servant on Apple TV. It was like it was like Rupert Grant, and there was one episode that I was allowed to watch. And that, I I watched the first episode of Yellow Jackets on Prime, and then I thought, oh my god, you, you mean the whole season's not on here? So I was yeah. kind of yeah. bummed about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's on my to do list. I gotta get to Yellow Jackets. Yellow Jackets is amazing, as is Servant. Yeah, the the first episode really drew me in. So yeah, I gotta get to that one. Uh, yeah so getting back to it so they stop Jules at 20 and they take her to the closet and it was it was kind of chilling for me because I never imagined her standing in that room you know like when they first from the time that they first revealed it they they kept taking us back there and I just kind of it just had like this it was powerful for me because I have really noticed the color changing in that room it's very blue blue. and everything in the silo is so like sepia toned so yeah. her standing in that room was a little, and I don't know if they meant it to be like that. Maybe um, I think they I, definitely did. Like it's, it looks so high tech. Yeah, yeah. And they're always there. I'm convinced they're like robots or clones or like <laughs> like weird. Uh, all twins. It's like always sitting there. Like it's so dull. What do they do? I feel like I feel like there must be another. That. There must be another room across the hall or something, and that's where all the monitors live. Well, there's like coffee. Been- but like if it's all recorded and they can just go back then what's the point of everyone just sitting there all the time like what are they looking for there are like a million cameras yeah if you think about the size of the silo there's got to be just thousands if not tens of thousands of cameras and so they'd just be watching like the major walkways well, I or think the major that's, the, that's the thing i'm not quite i'm not quite clear on because like they you know they were talking about like switching out cameras and how some places were dead zones so it seems like there's this like like finite number finite of cameras amount. that that they are like kind of moving around everywhere, and then when they're dead, they're dead or something. I don't know. I mean, there can't be cameras everywhere because there must be people. I mean, they have this whole black market. There's an entire, you know, they must have specific. Yeah, because I mean, the nursery doesn't have anything, and then they like they they come to like put one in, right? So yeah, and there clearly can't be in a, a camera in every apartment or every. Yeah. That's it'd, too much. it'd be hard to get spare parts as well for sort of broken cameras. And- or pretend like they're all like air sensors or whatever, you know? Yeah. But holy cow, going back to the shoot, they sure dump a lot of a garbage, lot of things, right? right? <laughs> it didn't even look like garbage. It looked like, you know, things that like they could melt down and use, right? I was just wondering why, like, like does that, is that for recycling to harvest or... I I do want to know what they're doing with all of it. I also want to know where they're getting all of this stuff. Like, yeah, it would be really hard to fix cameras, right? Or, or keep hard drives going or all sorts of other things that sort of the show kind of makes us think maybe have been working for like decades and decades or even a century or more, but like 
wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're diving too deep on. Uh, yep. We were talking about septic earlier with you. So <laughs> <laughs> please tell me how this works or how it doesn't. A giant septic tank in Leechfield. Ew. <laughs> Getting back to the uh, the camera room, it did feel a lot to me in some level like a, a villain monologuing when he brought her in there um, because he knows she's not going to tell anybody or else her friends yeah. are going to get it. And she looks at all the cameras and she says, we didn't have a chance, did we? And mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Uh, a little bit of that before I saw the video of George. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, you know, how somebody on death row, they let you have, like, your choice of, like, your last meal and things like that. Like, it's, it's, it's almost like he's doing that for her. Like, he's, like, giving her all these things because he he knows she's going to die soon. So he's. And I think, really I think it would be it, right? very cathartic for someone who has to keep all these secrets to have yeah. someone where he can just yeah. be like, here are all my secrets yeah. and you're going to die. So, I'm, you know, it's like a confessional kind of. Like, yeah. it's, there's no risk. And I get that, but I almost kind of thought he was like doing it like for himself, like kind of to prove to her that like he hadn't done anything wrong. Like, oh, yeah. Showing her the chasing, video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like George, like, mm. yeah, this is like I'm clearing IT's name or clearing right. like leadership's name. Right. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. It, it wasn't It murder. sort of undermines <laughs> Yeah, it undermines everything that she's been doing. So yeah. she, her whole motivation has been to investigate this murder, and he's now showing her that, look, you know, yeah. there was never a murder to begin with. It's another gut punch um, for her. Like, everything. She's about to go outside and clean, and the whole purpose of all of this was that she wanted to re- understand what happened to George because she was so convinced that he had been murdered. And to find yeah. out that he wasn't murdered, like, an hour before she's sent outside is just, like, I know. imagine. <laughs> And, and it, it, it all works too, right? Because her emotional reaction, mm-hmm. she's like shaking and crying mm-hmm. and she's just, and he's watching, he's watching it all happen, right, to her. He's like I think he's kind of into it. Yeah. And although, although it's suicide, it's sort of forced suicide, you know, like yeah. he's realizing that if he doesn't do this, the hard drive is going to fall into yeah. uh, Bernard's hands and, you know, everything's going to come grinding to a halt. So he's trying to keep the sort of the sparks of um, the resistance alive by yeah. giving up his own life and, and knowing that he's going to die anyway, you know, so it's a choice, you know, die outside or die protecting the hard drive and giving other people a chance. So it's mm-hmm. sort of a conflicted suicide rather than, yeah. you know, and, and, and he's, he's driven to it. And plus, he, it sounds like he, like, you know, asked himself, you know, will I be able to withstand torture? And do I want to go through that? And, you know, he seems to, like, not have enough confidence in himself that he won't give up, you know, all these people who helped him and people who know things and stuff like that. So, yeah, he just does it to protect them, right? So, and I think a lot of us wonder at some point, right, about that. Like, you know, if, if I had to keep a secret and somebody really wanted it from me, would I be able to keep it, right? No, I absolutely would not. I would be, like, the first person who would yeah, want same. everything. I would like, break, too. I would pinch break me too. with, like, tweezers. I'd be like, okay, okay, <laughs> fine. And I think everyone would break, right? I mean, that's um, one of the, that's the uh, purpose of whole things that, yeah, yeah the, the, the idea that we see a lot of times in movies of people you know, being strong to the very end is a bit of a myth. Okay, so that, after that, they move uh, they move the episode to Jules up top, and she's already in holding three, and they're measuring her for her cleaning suit. Um, so that 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 tells me that they custom make each each suit because we Kelly, we talked about how there's a closet with all the helmets, right? Right. So I 
they, they must have different sizes because people have different. I have a big head. Yeah, different so. sizes for helmets, I guess. I guess different sizes for the suits as well. Yeah. They're all a snug fit. Yeah, I was thinking this when watching this past episode and I was like, what a waste of like nice helmets and nice suits. They just like send them out there and like they can never retrieve them. Yeah. yeah I know. One thing I liked, they, they haven't really emphasized this in the show, but it's a big deal in the book. And that is the whole way the airlock sort of works that, you know, you go into a staging area, it's it's blasted with the hot air and then you move on. And if you don't move on in the book, you get scorched with fire. So you get killed in the airlock. Oh, so like motivating them to like go. Yeah. It sort of prods you to keep going sort of thing. Um, it's, it's, it's something, you know, and I understand they can't cover every detail in the um, series, but it's a nice part of the book. Yeah. They do have the fire. I just they oh, didn't okay. see it. Yeah. Like it was, I, I think they show it during, um, Allison's cleaning when Holson is staring out the window watching her go out um, they show like the flames come up after she goes out the first right. time yeah I guess you'd have to have something because what would keep people like you could just like hang out in the airlock <laughs> definitely you know, like, <laughs> yeah come on outside, go out there like, in. <laughs> yeah I don't I don't think they go over the procedure I don't think they no. tell her you know that if you don't get out of here in like a certain amount of time or anything like that so but yeah it, it is there it's in the show it's easy to miss though <laughs> So Jewel starts getting her people coming to say goodbye and Sims is talking to Bernard and Bernard tells him that he's going to revisit him becoming his shadow. And I was confused by this because I thought that he had been showing himself to be even more unstable than before. And I thought that, you know, he had told him, is it fair to your family? And are you going to choose them over, over the silo? And he had, I don't know, it sounded like, or it seemed to me like he was doing it even more so it was i was confused as why to why he changed his mind and it was also kind of strange in that he said we'll talk about this after the cleaning you know it was like hang on is it either is it happening or not sort of thing you know why does the cleaning sort of come into it but he seemed Mm -hmm. to be wanting to see that be successful first before committing i think he probably had seen the uh situation spiral so far out of control over the last couple weeks that it seemed like more and more people knew things and he's like okay i can't let anybody else know the inside secrets and this guy's already so committed that whole sunk cost fallacy thing and like right i may not want this guy to be my shadow but i may not have a choice at this point yeah and, and he's going to be ruthless enough to pull it off when you got to choose between sims and diego sims doesn't look so bad <laughs> <laughs> oh diego uh, so her dad comes to visit her first. He brings her food. And I thought this scene was so sad because she couldn't tell him. You know, he, he outright asks her, why are you going outside? So he she has to keep up the impression that she wants to die and she can't see anything. I thought he would be more distraught than he was. He seemed to be quite calm. Um, I mean... It looked like he, he seems kind of like the internal kind of pain kind of guy, you know. So I, I, I could see it in his face that he was really confused and really hurt. And he just didn't understand. But yeah, she changes the subject, right? She's like, this is really good, right? So she doesn't yeah. she doesn't want to talk about it because she can't talk about it. But she, also she doesn't want to lie. Yeah. 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 This relationship is probably my favorite addition to the show that her father was, yeah. you know, this 
plot device in the book that basically drove her down deep and is, you know, not really a part of her life other than, you know, he's this really, you know, standoffish person that doesn't value human connection at all. And here we get a lot more. We get the story of her mom. And it really, I think it paid off in this scene as well that this this is the link to her past and she she can't tell him anything. Yeah, because, yeah, you're right. He, in the book, he was kind of cold, right? Very. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I really liked that they made up and that, you know, and even though it was, like, really sad, I mean, at least they parted on pretty good terms. Like, they seemed to, like... I felt that he did not seem upset. And, I, I mean, I don't know what it's like to have, like, your daughter at 13, like, go down deep and not see her again for a year. You know, whatever. He wasn't... I mean, obviously, he's, like, hiding emotion and he's moved, but he doesn't seem... I think it's just hard. Like, they, they, there is still a ton of distance between them. Mm-hmm. It's hard yeah. to overcome that even at the end. Yeah, yeah maybe. Well, plus, he, he, he knows what, like, she, even though she, he thinks she's, she's chosen to go outside, she's probably scared, right? So maybe he wants to make it, not make it any worse for her, maybe. right? So I just think, like, Jess, I mean, I know it was, like, it was different in the books and they didn't have this, you know, reunion, but having just like got back into contact with your daughter and you, you know, you've just now reformed mm-hmm. your relationship for her to like be sent out to clean, like immediately. I think that would be very, it would be very heavy. I, I just didn't feel like he. Well, he had said before that he is the kind of guy who, when he's grieving, he turns inward. Right. So maybe this is just how he. he yeah. Yeah. Him, no, so. maybe it's just like, that's it for him. Like that's his, his daughter, his wife is dead, you know? Yeah, you know when he's like watching her cleaning, he's a lot more emotional. On his oh face yeah, 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 totally. That, and he, at that he gets, time, he's like proud. Yeah. He's like happy. I, I can see that then, but I don't know. I would have been sadder. <laughs> I think. I think too. There's interesting parallels if you think about you know the history of stories like this and even movies like this. You know, if you think of something like uh, 1984, where you know, there's wall screens that watch everyone and it's the same sort of, you know, sepia tone palette and mm-hmm. and the characters there are very much driven by conflict, by internal conflict where they have to act outwardly one way, even though inwardly they feel very different. And so I think sort of thinking back about his character and how he was with his wife, how he was with Juliet uh, before she sort of realised that he hadn't actually betrayed his wife. And then how he was in front of, you know, while she's waiting to go out to clean, he's sort of operating on two levels. You know, the the one where he wants to be fully open, but also, you know, just being aware that he's constantly being watched and assessed and, you know, uh, and, you know, his position and his life is also under threat. So sort of the, the big brother. Caught between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, yeah, sort of compromised. And, uh, you know, it does remind me of, um, you know, things like, you know, the Stasi in uh, East Germany, for example, you know, the same sort of thing where, you know, people are betraying each other, family members are turning on each other. You know, there's always suspicion. You don't know who you can trust. And they've definitely worked that undertone, that sort of 1984 mm-hmm. undertone into the story as well. So I think uh, this expansion of Pete is probably why they changed Walker to be a woman because, um, like like Will had said in the book, he he doesn't he's cold and he, he they don't really make up right. I don't think they do at all. Do they interact? I don't remember. I don't think so. Not much. 
Yeah. So it, this is kind of like Jules gets her dad back and she like kind of has a new mom in Martha. So it's like, she, you know, she's about to go outside and yet she's actually finally got, you know, parents again. So it's kind of sad that it happens right before she's about to leave. So. <laughs> Julian has a very sad story. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah, I mean, Kelly, we talked about in the past how, you know, when when Jules realizes what what happened with her mom is because of the silo and like what they prevented her from doing and what they took away from her and basically drove her to kill herself. So it's like she lost her brother and then her mom and then her dad, and so she lost everybody because of what the silo did, right? So they destroyed her whole family. It's so weird though, because like, I imagine like if you don't know anything else besides a silo, like where does that hit? You know, like if yeah. you never had a life outside of it, it's just like your whole. It's your whole world. Yeah, yeah it's hard. I can't imagine. Yeah. Okay, so then the uh, episode goes to Lucas in IT, and this is the last we see of him. <laughs> he's getting Hello, sentenced. Lucas. <laughs> he's, getting, he's getting sentenced to ten years mining <laughs> iron ore. <laughs> I think he's essentially getting sentenced to showing up again in season two. I know. Like, see you next year, sir. When we first saw Lucas, you know, in like episode two or three, I was excited. He was one of my favorite characters from the book. And I was like, great, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing with him. But he has just been underutilized in the series. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. One of the biggest changes I feel like from the books is kind of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But I think... I think they're pointing him down toward the water and the door and that sort of direction of like, mm-hmm. I don't know what the mines are, but I imagine that whatever Lucas is doing involves going down deep. And I think that that's going to be like the direction of his story. The mines are in the book, but they're quite strictly controlled. Like they can only dig in certain directions and follow certain veins, you know, so like everything in their silos, there's uh, sort of limited uh, ability to do things. And certainly, you know, we've already seen the big uh, digger at the bottom of the silo. So you kind of wonder at what point do the mines branch off and where do they go? But they were quite heavily regulated in the book. You know, sitting here talking about this, it makes me wonder if like, Bernard even intends to for him to serve actual 10 years or is because that just seems like a harsh sentence right I mean or is he just telling him it's going to be 10 and then he like goes and checks on him in a year and is like hey so (laughs) you want to come back and work in IT and be a little more obedient (laughs) Mm. like parole you know because yeah 10 years 10 years of hard labor is ouch especially for a computer guy no joke he hasn't done hard labor ever in his life I mean, what what exactly did he do, right? I mean, Jules called him to his apartment and he went. <laughs> <laughs> that was it, really, wasn't it? Yeah. It well, he, he, didn't, he didn't rat her out. Uh, another thing about sort of authoritarian structures like this is the punishments are as much for other people to see mm. as they are for the person, you know, because then it keeps everyone else in line. So there might be an element of that as well. Okay, so then they have this little scene of two people, presumably from Supply, and they're carrying very ceremoniously a box of sensor wool and tape, and it's a lot of tape. (laughs) I don't understand why they need so much tape, because I have a roll of duct tape that looks about that size, and it's taken us, we've had it for years. (laughs) Granted, I don't have any suits to to send people out to clean anything, but it just seems like a lot of tape, and I, I had to wonder if, like, you know, Carla replaced all of them, or if it was just the one that Martha had, or I'm trying yeah. to imagine a, a situation in which they would need so much tape, or 
even more than one like tray of tape. I, I felt like it was just another way to like draw attention to the tape and make us like realize what was going on, which I felt was just. Yeah, I think this is another stuff. like don't read too much into it things. Yeah. Oh, if if I remember correctly from the book, the tape is even used around the helmet. So oh, that okay. that isn't in the uh, TV show, but you know, but it's used quite extensively. The ankles, the waist is also taped up. The the you know, we only really see the wrists, but wrists um, and in I the book, the ankles, right? Yeah, the books make it clear that it's used like a lot because they're basically like patching the suit together. Mm. Yeah. That, that's going to be the whole first episode of season two is uh, Jules taking all the tape off. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Well, it, it, in the book, it's a big deal for her to actually get out of the suit later. You know, like she actually quite struggles with it. So, you know, she has to find a knife and all sorts of things. Well, I can imagine so. They're not really meant to get out of. So, like, yeah. Nobody ever yeah. imagined I don't know if we want to go too far rich. down this. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. I don't know what I'm yeah. talking about. I've read yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting, we're getting into spoiler this territory. This is like spoiler territory. <laughs> the fact that she has to get out of a suit. You mean she gets out of a suit? Sorry, sorry. I drove us off the road. <laughs> well, you, you know, it's kind of obvious in some regards because, you know, there's bodily yeah. functions and yeah. all sorts of things. You know, you got to Well, there's really only, like, and... in my opinion, like, I was thinking there's really only thing, one thing that can happen. Like, like she goes to another camera and makes a scene or someone goes out and gets her. Like, at least from what it's I see in this show, there's there's not, there aren't, like, many options. I mean, Kelly, like, Kelly you say that, except, like, we killed off, like, <laughs> Colston and Allison in the first episode. So. I know, yeah. No, I I'm know, not going to say know. anything either way. I'm just saying the I show, mean, obviously, like... <laughs> the stakes are um, are real here. I just, like, <laughs> what is All we'll tell do? you, Kelly, is you're going to love season two. I can just see, like, in another silo, silo 12, they're just, like, watching her feet walk by on the screen. <laughs> She's, like, out there, like, wandering around. She's, like, waving, hey! Like, hello! Because, like, they saw her go over the edge, and that's, that's all they saw. So, like, for, for, you know, that silo, everyone must just be, like, completely insane. And where's she going to go? I don't know. That's where I'm at. Uh, she's heading out. So obviously out. she'll run into another one of those cameras, right? So, yeah. I'm very curious. I'm excited. I'm yeah. excited to see. I, I'm, I'm actually like wondering how they're going to, how much they're going to reveal in, a, in, the, in the trailer, you know? Right? Because, I mean, they yeah. can't hide much, right? right? Unless they just focus on but, I mean, I think at some point, you know, we have we realize what's going on. Like, yeah. here's where we are. Here's what we got. This is what either has to happen or not. So Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And then some trailers just give away the entire show. Too much. So yeah. Hopefully they don't do that. If you want, I will be your spoiler guard and Please I will watch do. it and tell you if it's okay. <laughs> yeah, because I have already just, I, I've, I've not, I'm not reading the book. I'm not going to read it. Sorry, too. No. Yeah. I want, I'm, I'm really enjoying just watching it as I am, and this has been fun. So, well, you can never get a, get that blindness yeah. back, right? So, right. yeah, I will read them after. That's actually why I. That's actually why I let my son watch Ender's Game last night because normally mm. I would be like, "No, you have to read the book first. But then I thought, well, you know, I mean, he might just really enjoy the movie, and then he'll he can go read it later and enjoy it. So, yeah, yeah. Mm. it's always true. All right, so to get us back on track, uh, <laughs> Shirley Shirley delivers hush puppies and Martha's note. And so the, note was, the note was really sweet. She said, you wanted the truth. The truth is I love you. And then she says, they're good in supply. Mm -hmm. um, and that was straight out of the book, word for word. So I really right. like that. Yes. Yeah. When, when, I, when I heard it, I, I said, <gasps> I was like, oh, my God. 
I love when they throw in little things like that. Yeah, it was um, really sweet. I love Martin. Yeah, I, I did think it was funny that like she was trying to hide the note from the camera and then she just reads it out loud. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like she realized it was sentimental and then she was like, they're good in plow shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone else would have. Ah, fuck, I don't know. I mean, you know. Well, I mean, that. okay, so I I don't think actually that Jules knew what that meant there. I don't think so either. Yeah, because she, yeah. she figures it outside. You know, she, she like, says again what they're going to supply. Yeah, yeah. It's very, she it's figures it out outside. I think it was deliberately vague as written to. And if I recall in the book, they made a kind of a point of describing how deliberately vague the phrase mm-hmm. was. So, Like double the flowers in front of the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> Was that in the book, by the way? Was that no, no, no. Yeah, fuck that. I'm still mad about that. (laughs) Like that was sorry. Like you don't have to leave such vague notes. Like in real life, if there is a mystery or a crime and you're dying, you don't have to like what? They're watching you. Yeah, there's (laughs) there are cameras in your mirror. Anything else? Literally anything else? Cover it up. Throw a blanket over your mirror. It was very important for all the hush puppies to survive the trip, so Hank didn't make <laughs> <know>. this one. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's a good point. Oh my but gosh. she's not even she's... hungry now. She doesn't want them. She just wants the note. So theoretically, Hank could have brought them up. Yes, but we needed the hush puppies to hide the note. <laughs> but it's not even like... Uh, is that it, in the Amer- is, is that it that illegal to like pass on the note? Hush- yes, it is. I am so... When I grew up in Missouri and my family did a lot of freshwater fishing... And we would always serve hush puppies with our fish. And I now live in Oregon, which is on the West Coast. And I had a really hard time even figuring out, like, how to get hush puppy stuff here. What are they? It's cornmeal, right? It's it's cornmeal breading. Um, Yeah, and there's onion in it. Yeah, it's, like, deep fried and, like, a So it's it's savory? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally savory. Here in a... Here in Australia, hush puppies are a brand of shoe. Shoe. It is here as well. <laughs> well we have you that too. You can here as well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just savory a, it's a savory, it's, it's a fried. ball about the size of like, I don't know, you could wrap your hand around it. You serve it with fish okay. traditionally. Yeah. Often fish. It's actually Native American in origin. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. true. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, I love Actually, I'm going to have to try to find some. I, I don't think I've ever had one. My Although, mom they- sent me a package for um, the last holiday, like the Christmas, and she included like three bags of Hush Puppy. Um, oh, that's funny. Because you, yeah, because you can't find it here. Oh, that's mm-hmm. funny. But yeah, they do look like this Hawaii or this dessert in Hawaii called Andagi, which is like a, a donut. It's like a deep fried donut. And it looks just like that. So <laughs> that, that's why I asked if it was savory because the one that we have here is sweet. So Yeah, it's... And then, okay, so Kat, uh, Paul tells Kat about his exemption, and me and Kelly were talking about this, but we don't, we used to like Paul's wife, but we don't now. She's kind of annoying. She's, I mean, she does weird things, like she did this weird smirk when he told her that they learned about his exemption, or they learned that he had um, the syndrome. No, she, that, yeah, that, that he knew that he had the syndrome, not yeah, the exemption. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yes, when he's, she kind of smiled, and I, I know that she wants that to happen, so he doesn't have to, like, lie and hide anymore. But she knows how much he doesn't want that, right? So I just I really like her. Sorry. Yeah, she has fallen, fallen out of. In favor. my estimation, yes. <laughs> Plus, like, you know, like she, her first thing to ask was, "Oh my God, do we have to move?" Yeah. It's like, hello, your husband has just told you that maybe he like is gonna lose his job and like he's gonna have to tell everybody his worst fear. So. Hmm. <sighs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a weird thing to go to. Like it wasn't for her husband's safety. It wasn't for her own safety or her child's safety. Yeah. It was, it was like something like her weirdly super nat- like superficial. Yeah. That's probably why. All right. So next is Bernard's visit, which I really, I really like this whole sequence that, um, of his visit with her. Uh, it starts with like, you know, it, they show us a little bit of, of subservient Paul under his, uh, new, uh, exemption um and he behaves very differently he looks his shoulders are hunched and he looks he looks sick right it's almost like he is like intentionally just keeping everything to himself and he doesn't agree with any of this and he doesn't really understand it but he's made a deal you know what i mean yeah i mean he basically sold out right mm -hmm. so yeah but you can see it on his fate that he Mm -hmm. just feels guilty about it right i mean he's supposed to be the rules guy but he's he's allowing this thing to be given to him because he wants to break this one big rule so i mean i don't blame him like sometimes it's about like you know helping yourself and helping your family and it could could even be as much as like oh i'm gonna stay quiet for now while i think up like a better plan in the future like Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. get over the heavy ground like lightly yeah so this goes back to more about what we were talking about, how Bernard is comfortable talking to Jules because he know he he's confident that she's going to die. So he can say whatever he wants to her. It's and professional. He admits, yeah, he admits that he thinks about quitting at least once a day. And he tells Jules that she was an accident, right? That she, her, her parents weren't supposed to have children. Gloria had said that she was always surprised to hear that Hannah, even though she wasn't technically a flamekeeper, she was a curious sort, right? So he, mm-hmm. she was saying that she was surprised that she was allowed to have children. And so I guess it turns out that, you know, it was an accident. So that just brings us back to like what we were speculating about before, Kelly, is like, did he? Did, they were both doctors, right? So mm-hmm. did they know, like, did he know? And did she, was she able to, like, did she do it to herself or did he I do mean, it's it, so hard you know? to tell. Like, I feel like doctors know what birth control is or what it means or, like, how you prevent birth. Um, So it seems unlikely they could just, like, get away with hiding that from two people um, who but are in the medical field. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the medical field means at living in this silo if it's very... It- yeah, it all, almost needs accident in air quotes, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, two accidents seems yeah. unlikely. I mean, I, I, I've thought for a while that maybe, you know, something happened to Jacob, like they did something to him, not just that he was sick, mm-hmm. but something happened to him that they like, were like, well, I don't know what else she was doing, if she was doing other things that was pissing off judicial and, you know, that was just a little too much and they... Although that get that gets a little dark, so yeah, I don't know. It's weird when you think about like her experimenting with the rabbit and like he had a heart condition. Like they couldn't have caught. I don't know. It's just there's just a lot, and I have just sort of decided that it doesn't really matter. Maybe it does. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I I just kind of took it at face value and was like, yeah, <laughs> let's stay in the present, so to speak, with yeah. the characters. Yeah, yeah. All right, so. He tells Jules that you've been of great service to the silo. And I love the line that she throws back at him. I don't want to be of great service anymore. So it's like she's accepted her fate, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But I was a little confused as to um, what she thinks is going to be out there. Because she is one of the well, one of only two people who's gone to clean, who knows, who thinks they know what it's like outside. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Does she think that it's green but still poisonous, or I think maybe after seeing that he that George um, George yeah George killed himself, I think she's sort of just like fuck it, 
if I may yeah. say that, you know, it's like, I don't care. Like, I'm going to see what it's like out there and then I'll know. And then whatever happens, happens. I mean, she doesn't really have like a lot, like her dad, you know, she still has her dad, but that's so new. She, she's probably yeah. was like, oh, God, I don't know. Like, imagine. She knows that everyone who's gone out to clean has never come back and she knows mm-hmm. that's going to happen to her. And Yeah, she knows there's some reason that the people out there die. Like, yeah. you do see them die or at least she thinks she sees them die. Well, yeah. So I guess maybe she thinks that might be a lie too. Well, their bodies are strewn on the, you know, on the, yeah. on the hillside. But, right? if, she thinks yeah. this, but yeah. if she thinks the sensor feed is a lie, she might think that whatever she's being shown is a lie too, right? I mean, she might think that, you know, they climb over that hill and then they're captured by some other, like, entity and like, they're prevented from returning. But either way, yeah. she probably thinks that she's just not coming back, right? Yeah, I'm with Kelly. Like, I just think she, at this point, she's kind of like, I did what I did and I'm, I'm in the bed that I made and I just have to see what happens. Yeah. I also really liked when he compares the two of them and he sees the parallels between them. He like tells her, you know, it's just like what he like what he does is what she does with the generator. And that if something goes wrong, then boom, you know, it can all go bad. Right. I think there's a lot of respect that he has for her in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. he's like, I've done this job for probably decades at this point. And within just a couple of weeks, this person that was living yeah. on the bottom of the silo has given me a run for my money. Mm. And, you know, like he didn't, may not have wanted the excitement, but it's like, hey, wow, this is, yeah. you know, something. And I think in some ways he's probably a little sad to see her go because now the, you know, the Tom and Jerry hunt is over. I've caught the mouse. Like mm. what's next? And, yeah, for me, it's uh, it's weird because I, I didn't know Bernard from the books, you know, and I didn't know that this twist was coming. So, like, my view of Bernard just, you know, from the show, like, I, there were parts in this episode that I felt didn't redeem him, but I was like, okay, he, and, and I don't know if he's looking out for the good of the silo, if he's looking out for the good of humanity, if he's looking out for the good of himself. I, I don't know that at this point. So I think it's very interesting to, like, look at it, like, from that perspective. Yeah, you, you definitely see that he is misplaced you know like mm-hmm. like he really thinks he's doing the right thing yeah and that the end justifies yeah, yeah. the means but yeah. um he's the hero of his story yeah but like you guys even saying that like as someone who has not read the books you know i'm like oh, okay well obviously you know so it's just this it's just this fun battle like and that's yeah and it'll be i think one of the um challenges with any sort of show like this is how they divide a story mm-hmm. over season so you look at silo and wool and we're only roughly halfway through the uh-huh. first of three books and 40%. um yeah and, and and one of the differences that i think will give silo some longevity over other similar shows is that there are clear-cut answers so you look at something like snowpiercer or under the dome and they're largely just driven by plot devices that never really have any resolution there's you know that when it comes to under the dome, you never find out who put the dome there or why. You just have to live with it. Mm. Whereas with wool and silo, there are answers and they come along the way, and so mm. you'll see them start to be revealed in season two. But having read all three books, it's very clear that you know there'd it, it, be four or five seasons to actually uncover all the answers. But it's not like Stranger Things where. Season two is basically just season one repeated with a few differences. <laughs> and then, you know what I mean? Season three is season two butchered a bit more. Um, there's actually going to be very different seasons and progressively 
exposing the rationale and the reasoning behind yeah. Bernard's actions. But so someone, I think that's something that'll give the story longevity. But as someone who hasn't read the books at all, I think it's great that I can still be like, okay, here's Bernard as a character, and I'm still not quite sure, you know, where he lands. Um, because I don't know what's right. going on. I don't know why the silos exist, how many there are, um, who put them there, if there are others outside of other cities, you know. So for me, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm so willing at this point to consider everything. So Tim Robbins is so fantastic in that role, too, that even episode seven or eight, I was starting to – I knew who Bernard was. But I yeah. was like, are they, did they change him that much from the book? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and, that, and that's but, what's hard for me because I hear you guys talk and I'm like, he's obviously a shit but there are things where I'm like, oh, okay, you know, and I can, I can hear you guys being like, <laughs> like shooting that down, which is so funny and it's fine, but, um, yeah, I, I, but I think it does work for people who have not been, you know, in on this yeah. podcast or whatever, because you're just like, well, he's like, okay, we don't he know was, he was, yeah. he was so, lo- he was low key, right? I mean, yeah. he, he's so in. And like, like it is poison outside, so maybe there was a reason they had to make this silo, and maybe he's doing his best, you know. So like, I think it's nice that you, there's still these questions. Not for me because you guys have made it clear, but he's not a black and white villain. No, right? I don't think so. I think they made enough different changes to a lot of the characters from the book that, like, mm-hmm. I'm probably not the only book reader who was legitimately questioning whether, like, there were going to be giant major changes to like major right. characters personalities or like arcs yeah like I, I think bernard was was one of them right yeah and, and that was kind of nice you know it was we, we often talk about things like fan service and nods to the book yeah. and in some ways treating the characters like that with respect but also giving them a bit of a twist so that yeah. even the book readers are sort of scratching their heads going, oh, where is this going? And it is, uh, we sort of talked about this yesterday, but it is interesting, the different mediums. You've got book, you've got Mm -hmm. film, you've got series. And, you know, if you look at something like Snowpiercer, it's a fantastic book. It's Mm -hmm. a lousy movie. It's an amazing series. And Wool dodged a bullet. You know, um, Ridley Scott was going to turn it into a film, but there's no way you'd get the character development or the depth or the suspense in just two hours. You know, yeah. the, the first two episodes alone are two hours, you know, let alone trying to pack all 10 hours. In. And even with 10 hours, we're only halfway through the book. So I think this sort of speaks to the whole concept of adaptations that books really benefit from adaptation as a series and, you know, in the movies, they've got limited time. They've mm-hmm. got to hit certain plot points. They've got to fit in quite rigid structures. And so you lose a lot of the depth that's in a book. Whereas in a series, you can start pulling on the threads, like you were saying. And I, I think that's something that Hollywood has, has realized. I, I've seen, like, a shift toward, like, adaptations, like, heading towards series. And, like, we everything is so immediate. Like, like everything you can find online, you can find um, podcasts and Zoom and everything. You can't. If you're going to translate something like that, it cannot be like book to movie anymore because there's just like all this instant. Um, like, and you, I, you know. and you, I'm not a fan of the whole trend lately of doing movie part one and then movie part oh, two. Yeah, yeah, I don't no. like it either. Like, like <laughs> Dune. Like Dune, I, I had gone in and I have totally forgotten that it was only part one. It's just antiquated. Yeah, I yeah, I don't I don't like that. So I wouldn't have been happy, I think, with even two war movies. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I think Dune would be better as a series. Yeah. Although, you know, there was a Dune miniseries which was actually quite good. So sci fi. 
yeah, sci-fi. You should check that out if you haven't watched it, Peter. I like that. Yeah, Although the lead, the later seasons, I thought were better than the first one. So if if you're like not really into the first one, keep watching. I like I thought Children of Dune was better than than uh, the first one. Yeah, and this goes back to Kelly's point. Just being able to see the threads and ideas in the book mm-hmm. and then pull on them a little bit and expand them and work them, and you know, it's almost like. Uh, a new edition of the book, if you like, because you know you're able to play with some of these concepts and really develop them more. So that's how I've always you know, felt about like, like book to movie or book to like TV adaptations. I, I've always hated this whole idea that oh, I hope they don't ruin the book or spoil the book because I've never felt that way about adaptations. Like you have the book, it is what it is, and other stuff just adds to it and like broadens like the mm-hmm. whole. Um, I mean, you know, you can imagine so much in your mind, even the author, you know, when they write the book or the screenplay or anything, this is what they have in their brain, but like to include other people and allow the, the universe to be expanded and to add things and to see that depth like pulled. That just must be amazing. That's what Hugh has done from the beginning. You know, he mm-hmm. encouraged, you know, mm-hmm. both Peter and I have written, you know, published fan fiction, you know, set in the Wool universe. And uh, then there was even the comic series as well. And so it, it's, it still told the same story, but it was a more visual medium, you know. And then there was even like, uh, I think Amazon did the whole like Kindle in motion, which I still, yeah. that's the copy that's still <laughs> on my Kindle. And so it's got these little uh, comics and drawings every so often. He's always been very, you know, welcoming for different viewpoints. Yeah, I think a lot of authors feel that way. I mean, I've I've had people, I've had readers ask me questions about things in my books. And then I'll be like, I didn't think of that, actually. But that's a great idea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about uh, when Jules starts ranting at Bernard and she, like, talks about she mentions george's door and the look on bernard's face his reaction Mm -hmm. so what did did you guys make of that because there seems to be two different um interpretations of his face it's either he's surprised she knows about it or he didn't know about it himself i was i think he didn't know i think i think he's surprised that there's things even he doesn't know i definitely took it to be that he was surprised that juliet knew about the door oh yeah sorry that's what i meant i I, did, I misheard you, Peter. Oh, no, no. Yeah, no. I, I, I just, yeah. Yes, I agree with Kelly. I think it was just a shock, a look of like shock, like you know about the door. Like, oh, and there's it? another thing that, that she knows about, you know? But I don't know. I don't know how common knowledge that is. I mean, I, it, it seems it seems like it would be odd that he wouldn't know about the door. I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I like changed my viewpoint. The first time I saw it, I thought he just didn't know about it. So he was surprised. But mm-hmm. then like when I watched it again, it kind of more looks like what the heck was on that drive? Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, like how deep did she go? You know what I mean? Like she yeah, just, like God. Because he like rolls his eyes up like what? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then he goes he straight back to his office and he looks at the he looks right. at the hard drive pieces, yeah. almost like he wants to salvage what's on there because he's like, maybe I shouldn't have busted this thing up because yeah he seemed to know what the drive was though like maybe it was like definitely yeah i definitely something something that was missing because once he heard that there was an 18 on from lucas he was he was very concerned about it right yeah 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 so it must have gone missing at some point and he knew like who maybe who had it before and so so this is actually a theory that i came up with recently (laughs) i think yesterday (laughs) But okay, so in the the, le- the mayor's ledger that Johns is reading, 
in like episode two or something. It's from the Jane Carmody. It's from the week that Jane Carmody went out to clean. But if you look at the, the high-res screenshots and you read the rest of the page, the page after Jane um, that talks about stillbirths and stuff like that, um, it also mentions that that same, that same week, the head of IT died of a heart attack. And so I thought, okay, so this is in 97. So it's approximately 45 years before the present. And so I thought, would that have possibly been when Bernard took power? Was he a shadow? And did he do something to the head of IT? And is that when he came into, you know, he like took the reins? Between the comedy cleaning and Bernard is a revolution. So he, you know, because, and that's no, when the drive the, got stolen. The, the, the rebellion is 143 years ago. That's like the start of free. That's like Freedom Day. Um, so oh, the Jane Carmody okay. cleaning is almost 100 years after the rebellion. Okay. At least according to what we've picked apart and stuff. So, yeah. So that's why I thought maybe because John's mentions that that's from the year 97 ledger that she's reading from and she like puts her she like opens a page and you can kind of read what what all the entries are even though it's in cursive it's, it's hard to decipher but you can you can see what it says so okay so let's move on um jules tells him i won't clean and she she follows up on that right she she doesn't clean she does like <laughs> a mean, mic drop not clean yeah a wool yeah, drop that was <laughs> <laughs> I can I can like totally understand that though. Like after watching everyone clean and everyone be like ooh and aahing over the stupid screen, you would totally want to be the person who's like fuck you, not fucking <laughs> like you just get to walk off into the sunset. Bernard even told her like, hey, you've got the biggest audience ever. You know, you yeah. already set the stage for it. It's yeah. like, everyone cleans. Everyone cleans. Of course, everyone's she's gonna clean. be watching. <laughs> But I, I like that she her last request was to have Holstein's badge. It kind of puts you like in in like her frame of mind. Like I had no to- idea what she was gonna do with that. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I know <laughs> that is her frame of mind. But. I think she requested it because she thought if I'm gonna go out there and if I die, the least I can do is give this back to him. You know, like yeah. this is this is what you know led me around and and I. I thought even- she had, it was gonna like use it to open some door. <laughs> She like picks the airlock door and gets back in. Like if she thought it was fake too, like if she thought maybe other people escaped somehow and you didn't see that, she may have thought she would find him someday. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Sad. Okay, so then they they actually, you know, they suit her up and they they send her outside and then everybody goes in the cafeteria to watch the cleaning. And this was where Hugh's cameo was. He's glaring at Knox. And he's cheering on. That Jules. was pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. I actually had to stop and rewind because the whole time I was watching Hugh and not Knox. Not Knox. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to re- watch it twice. Uh, did you guys spot him on your first first way through? I did oh, only because I was looking for him. I, I was like, I know you're in this. So. <laughs> I will confess that I honestly do not even know what he looks like, and so I didn't notice him. And I'll have to go back now and oh, watch yeah, this man. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's awesome because um, when Knox is going into the cafeteria, uh, he's just glaring at him. He's like boring. Holes really, yeah, he's like, really yeah, he's because he he's mad. Obviously, he's in the know about what Knox did, and he turned her, he turned her in. So he's like <laughs> just glaring daggers at him. Later on, when Jules is um, about to go over the hill. Like they're focusing on Knox, but you can see Hugh in the background. He's blurry, like, but he's whoa. like got his he's got his fists up in the air. Like, <laughs> like oh my god, oh my god, you can do it. Yeah. 
cute. Yeah, it's great. I, when I saw like him with his fists up, like, oh my god, oh my god, I thought, oh my god, he, he must watch the show like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Martha also comes to watch. I, I was really touched by that because it must have been, I, I think it, her her fear is probably not just... Um, going outside, it's it's people too, right? Because she's like walking in there and she looks scared. Right? I always so. hate when shows show something like that and they see people like spreading like the Red Sea. And I just, mm. I mean, as someone who's also like very, I don't know, like I'm, I don't know, I'm an introvert and I stay home a lot. I call myself like a part-time hermit. <laughs> so like, <laughs> if, you, if you like really feel like you don't go out, like seeing people like scurry away from you like that would be so sad. I I wish people would have like embraced her or been like happy to see her instead of pretending like she has like a, a virus or something. I don't know. So when Bernard asks, do you have any last words? What did you guys think her last words were going to be? Um, I think I just, I, you know, her last words aren't exactly like given to the public. It didn't seem like it mattered what she said. So I didn't really have any expectations, I don't think. Yeah. I, thought, I thought she was going to say something scathing toward him, but... I liked I liked what she said, right? She said, I'm not afraid. Will, did you have any thoughts on what what she was um, gonna say? I don't know that I can repeat it on rate on uh, <laughs> maybe like F U or something. Yeah, mine was something along that's why I said scathing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I thought I she do was like gonna... I do like what she said though. I, I thought it was appropriate. But she was still in front of other people, not just Bernard, right, if I recall. Oh yeah. Yeah, so like I think she was still adhering to that like, oh, I'm pretending to go willingly because that mm. was like part of the deal. That's a right. good point. Yeah. Paul yeah. was there and So I, I actually was really confused between because uh, they had established early on that there's a the Don Deep cafeteria and there's an up top cafeteria. I'm assuming there's other cafeterias that they just don't show us. But mm. I was kinda confused by the switches between the two different crowds because up top and down deep are different crowds, right? They have they, like I would think that like you know when she doesn't clean the down deep would cheer and then the up top when she doesn't um because there, there were people who were like you could hear them they were mad right when she dropped the wool I think for me that's always been very confusing like how many levels and cafeterias and cameras yeah. there are I mean I I do know in the books you guys have mentioned that there's like sort of a um, 360 degree view so there's like four cameras or whatever mm. Um, in the in the show, I've always gotten the impression that they're just like broadcasting the one view on every level. In the book, I think they only have a view up top at the very top cafeteria, like for the right? privileged people, and that's like kind of what makes sense to me with the show. Seeing how everything is, like I understand that they've changed it, but that would make sense that only the most privileged were allowed to. Um, I don't know, kind of view. So yeah, the up top is well in the books at least. The up top is all like the administration. It's the mayor. Yeah. It's the sheriff. It's the you know the the accountants. It's all the you know it's all the people that are responsible mm-hmm. for keeping the administration going. Um, not to the extent of like Hunger Games, but almost like uh, the capital to a certain yeah, degree. Yeah. And I think in I think in Hughes books it's like kind of like in thirds where it's like the top third is, you know, the the top and then you get the mids and then you get the down deep. Okay. So here's another point of debate that people were interpreting two different ways. So when Jules goes to the top of the hill, she's looking out at the green, the green landscape and then it it blinks, right? And then she sees she sees reality. She sees what she sees that the world is dead, and that there's all these there's the, the the ruined city in the back in the far distance. So people are interpreting this two different ways. So why does her helmet fail? Is it because Bernard ran to the server room and shut it off, 
or is it because she simply goes out of range? Oh, I didn't get the impression that that was her camera failing. I just thought they were showing us the scene like for dramatic effect. Oh, no. Oh, no. no I, I've been thinking about this. So, you know, the Jane Carmody cleaning, uh-huh. which is the video that she initially watched. You know, it, it was very clever of them the way that, you know, that is seen probably five or six times uh, throughout the series. And then when Jules finally goes outside and she sees the birds flying in exactly the same pattern, she realizes, hey, this is fake. But if you think about it, the helmets that they wear have to work like a virtual reality suit where, you know, if you look down, you see your feet. If you look to the left, you see something to the left, you know. Um, so it can't be something that's pre-recorded. It has to be something that's rendered in real time. Mm-hmm. And also that they could record the Carmody cleaning means that when Carmody went out there, there's some sort of Wi-Fi connection back yeah. to the silo Cause, and cause, that's yeah, what they're recording. In that video, in that video they can, you can hear her voice, right? Her reaction. Yeah, yeah. And so then when Jules gets to the top of the hill, she's getting out of range. And as she gets out of range, reality kicks in because she's no longer getting the fake signal from the silo showing her blue skies anymore. So she's going over the hill, she's out of line of sight, and then she sees the wasteland for what it is. So for me, it was quite consistent. Yeah. So Angela, um, I I don't think it's that they were just showing us. I I think they were just trying, yeah, was, that was, was her failing. point of view like that's what she's seeing she can see the dead city in the background and she can see the the, the dead world yeah. so yeah and, and it's because that vr headset is failing yeah i think at least when i read the books i kind of took it to be like a maybe like a time limit because they expected the heat tape to fail so uh, quickly yeah. that they only had like you know 20 or 30 seconds or maybe a minute or two whatever how long it is um prepared and then past then the feed just cuts off and it reverts back to the regular display or, or something. But it's it, same principle or maybe, of or getting maybe out of range. Or right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I went back and I watched it again. And when she's looking at the green, you can see her viewpoint move a little bit more forward. So I think I think what it is is she gets out of range and mm-hmm. then she sees it. So Yeah, I think There so. must be like an area where that covers. I mean, the silos are so close together from what we see. I mean, there's very much there's not much gap space between so like yeah if the helmet works in only a certain area but like i felt like i don't know i i felt like she got out to a certain place i mean they only expect them to live a certain amount of time like he definitely says right on schedule schedule implies to me like not right on time he didn't say it was right on time he didn't say it was schedule implies something that was planned do you know what i mean so I, I, I definitely felt like that they mm-hmm. planned for Juliet to die at a certain moment and then like, okay. Um, I, I, I did feel a little like smug about that because she she's not doing what he thinks, right? She's not right. like sure. sick. She just trips on a rock. It's just a happy coincidence, right? But if you think back about Holson's cleaning, you see them like stumble at a certain, that's always yeah. the place where they yeah. like, oh, I'm feeling sick or it's they gotten to me, you know, like, oh, right before the tree. Which yeah. the other silos didn't seem to have a tree, which I thought was like really depressing. Yeah. Like, I know you don't have that like place where I you're know. like aiming for. Yeah, your your view is just like nothing. It's just dirt. Yeah, they got <laughs> dirt, and, dirt and bodies. Yeah, because I kind of like that tree. You know, it was a nice little it's nice a marker. Little the hill. Yeah, I I would have clung to it if I was <laughs> out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my god, it's gonna be a long wait to season two. 
So what did you guys think about the final shot? Did you, a lot of people have been commenting that they they weren't expecting the silos to be so close together. I didn't. I, like, I I only in the past few episodes thought there were more than one silo. So I definitely thought they'd be a little further apart, but I, I really believe in my, you know, I haven't read anything, but that they must be connected together some way. And there must be some sort of like way that they communicate. And that would be way harder if they were further apart than they are. So George's tunnel. I probably, I think I might be the only one here who only watched the episode once, but they show it for such a brief amount of time that the scale is like undeterminable. Like mm-hmm. it, it could, they could have been in very like wide range. Just I don't, like, if, really, if you really think about out. how wide the silo is and I was looking at, and I know it's just editing with a, you know, with a TV series, but you look at how big the silo is, how big the camera is, how big her body is. And then we pan out, you know, it seems like they are very, I don't know, like not so far from each other at all. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost like football fields being next to each other. One detail I liked was when they panned out, you saw the back of the, you know, the, the opposite side to which she walked, the back of the mm-hmm. silo. And there was actually an area where vehicles could drive in. So where the hill had been sort of carved out and, the, and you know, it's yeah. sort of given you a hint of the past and the builders and the founders and stuff like that, you yeah, know, that it wasn't just been. this perfect crater. So yeah. I, I kind of like that little detail. Okay, so this is something that somebody uh, figured out on Reddit. I don't know if this is show accurate, but this seems to be... Um, at least reality accurate, but somebody found, according to um, the you know the skyline that that she sees, mm-hmm. somebody. Oh yeah, it. I saw that they they Some, matched it. Yeah, they matched it up to this Google Maps photo taken oh, from yeah. a really big cemetery in Atlanta. It's kind of yeah. amazing in Georgia. Yeah, so I mean, it makes it's a lot so of sense great. You- they're still in Georgia, though. Like the whole, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it matches the book. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. the, the book she found, not the yeah. not wool. Yeah, welcome to Georgia. But, but, like, you, you go, if you go and you read the Wikipedia entry for this Westview Cemetery place, it's kind of it's kind of amazing. It's like apparently the it's the largest civilian cemetery in southeastern United States, comprising of more than five hundred eighty-two acres. So it's big. So that's kind of a cool location if that's actually meant to be like where it actually is in the show. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll send you guys the link. It's it's pretty cool how uh, the city skyline lines up perfectly. If you're standing in the cemetery and you look at Atlanta, that's ex- exactly the same one that she sees. It lines up really nicely. So yeah, and the cemetery is a you know a nice little thematic. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, like it's almost like all those silos that you see are like just graves, right? Because they're they're all buried under the earth. So, yeah, that was a nice touch. When 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 somebody figured that out, was, my mind was blown. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. All right, any final thoughts? Oh my god, we've been going for a long time. Yeah, I know. At least I recorded this one. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> no, really so looking forward to season really two. Back like that was. I appreciate it a yes, lot. Yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. You guys are very accommodating. But uh, yeah, any final thoughts on, on the season? Will, Will, you're our lone binger, so. Yeah, I, I didn't say it today. I did say it yesterday. Yeah, I didn't uh, start on this one until uh, about two and a half weeks ago. Um, it, it it really works as a binge show. Like um, the the day, the, the cliffhanger, when Juliet leapt off the, the stairs in that one episode, <laughs> I didn't have to go very far before I found out that she was okay in the next episode. 
meanwhile, we were all over here like, is she going to parachute? Is she going to have a rope? Is she- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it really works as a binge show. And I know I'd seen, a, I think I saw a tweet from Tim Robbins uh, a day or two ago saying, all right, binge watchers, now you sh- now's your chance. Um, and <laughs> I would definitely encourage anybody who, whether you're a book reader or not, like go watch the show. It's, uh, it is great. And, um, it's just amazing to see this, you know, this book that, you know, basically followed from when it was first written as, you know, th- there's a very good chance that if nobody paid attention to this short story mm-hmm. that, Holston is the only character who dies mm-hmm. and it just mm-hmm. exists as a short story back in 2012. And, um, but people liked it and Hugh kept writing and this is what we have. And it's just kind of amazing that the story mm-hmm. that in some ways was pantsed really became <laughs> this fully fleshed out world. Um, and it's just amazing to see. Yeah, it was really fun to watch week to week. I, I I get what you're saying about binging, but yeah, me and Kelly had a lot of fun doing week to week and breaking it down every week. So um, yeah, it it wouldn't be as fun, I don't think. Like, yeah, even if yeah. it were just a show that like came out, bam, and it's done. That's not fun to make a podcast for. So yeah. I'm here for this. Plus, I, plus, plus, I think I would get them all confused, and I yeah. think I might have said, yeah, we would have said things from like Still. the wrong episode yeah. and things. <laughs> I think it can be more fun and more memorable to watch it week to week because then you like think too. about it between like I remember watching Lost week to week and year yeah. to year and oh. going on forums and talking about it and like that was you me. were like you you were really stuck on it for like a while and I think Silo presents the same sort of like questions and mystery and you could think about it and like it's fun to be able to press play on the next one immediately but I think it's kind of fun to like ruminate on it for a while yeah, I'm not sure it's even fun it's just what we're used to you know like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think we even realize what it's like to like I mean I don't know how old you guys are but like living in a generation where like it switched from every Monday night at 7 o'clock I had to be there to watch like my show and now it's like what show I can binge watch like three shows this weekend and there's no like there's no I don't know yeah like my my kids I don't think I think if I were to tell them that you know you have to have an appointment to watch this show right you know I I I work at this like little k-3 independent school in um, Oregon and uh, we have like some parents who don't even let their kids watch TV. So like they're watching Mr. Rogers and the kids, they don't know what TV is or what Netflix is. They just know that like they can turn on the television and watch like 25 minutes of Mr. Rogers. And they don't, they have no idea because cable as such doesn't exist as it used to yeah. where everyone has cable. They don't realize you can just turn the TV on and get whatever TV you want whenever. So yeah, because, I mean, when, when we were kids, if, if you weren't there, you missed it. Right? Yeah, you missed it. And if you, weren't, if you weren't rich enough to have a VHS mm-hmm. that could record it, right? Yeah, too bad. Now it's like if you're poor, you can VHS it. If you're rich, you have the like, <laughs> recording. <laughs> okay, let's, let's wrap things up. Um, So I've been talking about my silo blanket. I finished it. Oh, my God. I finished it. Literally, it's okay. I finished it literally Yay. two hours before the the finale, I was trying to I was trying to rush into it, and and oh my god, I did I didn't weave in the ends, but yeah, I did finish lovely. it. But uh, and I took some photos. So if you want to check that out, you can go on YouTube and just search for knitted silo blanket, and you'll see my blanket. So, cool. <sighs> um, but yeah, so we want to thank our guests for coming back twice. <laughs> <laughs> 
breaking down breaking down the finale with us <laughs> uh, we hope you guys had a, a blast uh, talking about this and we hope you enjoyed watching the show and we will we would love to have you back um, for season two thanks for having us yeah. yes thank you that was awesome thank you see ya bye Thank you, everyone, for joining us for our final episode breakdown of Wires from the Deep. We hope you have enjoyed listening to us as we've been going along. We've got a couple yeah. more episodes to go. We have our interview with Hugh Howie. Uh, we actually recorded that before this episode, <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna edit that and it's gonna come out in a couple of days. So stay tuned for that. And then we have one more wrap up episode after that, and then after that we'll see. But other than that, we'll see, we'll see you. what happens. We're so exciting. I'm excited. We hope you guys are back for season two. Um, Yay. Uh, yeah, if you've been enjoying our podcast, be sure to tell other Saddle fans that they can find us at wiresfromthedeep.com and leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice. Uh, if you don't want to um, just wait around doing nothing f- between seasons, uh, you can join the Down Deep Discord by going to downdeep.net and following the invite link to join discussions with other fans. We're probably going to be speculating until we're blue in the face. <laughs> nothing better to do. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to contact me and Kelly, you can leave us a comment on Podbean or Spotify or one of our YouTube videos or you can email us at crystal at the downdeep.net. Thanks everyone. Yeah, thanks everyone.